Roger Williams University is hosting a crisis management seminar on May 3rd at their Providence campus. Crises, whether a natural disaster, cyber attack, or financial instability, can have severe repercussions if not handled properly. This is where crisis management plays a pivotal role. Join Roger Williams' MBA students and expert speakers to learn how to prepare for the unexpected. The program is totally free and open to the public. You can register online at rwu.edu slash events slash crisis management symposium. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. All right, Bartholomew Town listeners, new year on the pod and what an outstanding way to kick it off can't think of a better candidate for the inaugural episode here in 2020 than the one and only Mario Hilario. By the way, it's Bill Bartholomew here with you for another year of podcast action, a busy year, got a whole lot planned for you, new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts or head over to ripodcast.com and much more than just those two episodes a week coming your way as the year progresses. I won't roll out all the details now, but stand by. Live events, YouTube action, and of course, Instagram at Bartholomew Town Podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Bill Bartholomew. All right, enough about me. Let's now turn our attention to a Rhode Island legend, Mario Hilario. All right, so we are here with the great Mario Hilario. Jay, thank you very much. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. And we we're on the way up. We were talking about kind of your adjusting to the five day a week morning schedule what's that been like for you have you finally started to click into gear i've started to click into gear yes it definitely i I did it uh on the weekends for over 20 years so i had a little bit of a taste of it but definitely monday through friday that was an adjustment um it's all about trying to balance uh getting to bed early but not too early Right. I've I've had some mishaps along the way, you know. I I say, all right, I'm tired. I'm going to get into bed. But if I go to bed too early, then I tend to wake up a little bit later. Then I'm tossing and turning until the alarm right. goes off. So that's not good. So sometimes it's better to go to bed a little bit later and just get a solid X number of hours, um, as long as it's solid sleep and and you're not tossing and turning. And I feel a little more refreshed in the morning. So yeah, definitely a balancing act. And yeah. then I'm still trying to have a life and still get out in the community and do things. So. Right. That's, well, that's what I was going to say, because that's the other thing, your work off camera, but also, you know, your life off camera, which informs your personality, which informs your work on camera. So it's this big, you know, you can't just be, uh, you know, going to bed at six o'clock in the, in the evening and, and expecting to be Mario Hilario, I guess. Right? I guess Part not. Of the I guess no, no, I, it's, <laughs> it's nice. A lot of community organizations and groups uh, asked me to get involved in their events and uh, before, on my old schedule, I had uh, days off during the week. So if I had a weeknight event, it was it was easy to do. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little bit tougher, but everyone's usually pretty accommodating, and they know I got to get a bit early, so uh, they're good about getting me out on time. But yeah, I just I just did a a, a toy drive for AIDS Care Ocean State uh, not too long ago, and uh, uh, I love doing the the roadie foodie events. Of course, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Someone says, oh, do you want to go to an event called uh, Taste of Rhode Island? Uh, you had me at taste, so <laughs> yeah. yes, of course. Uh, yeah, so I try to do as much as I can without uh, spreading myself too thin. Let's go through your career because there's a great piece of footage on YouTube of you, like one of your first you know, promo reads or something like that, and you've got the, the full head of hair. Not that you've lost hair, but it's you know the less styled hair, we'll say. <laughs> I, I look back at those, and I think... 
God, did I even like own a comb or a brush? Like I just went on TV, <laughs> my hair kind of wild all over the place, and uh, and apparently the news managers at the time uh, didn't say anything about it. But yeah, yeah so I uh, believe it or not, if you really want to go way back, yeah. So back uh, in my father was a physician, and when I was in high school, I thought, well, that's a noble profession, and I grew up, you know, watching him take care of people, and I thought I'm going to be. Uh, a doctor as well. So that was kind of my mindset. And then I was in, I don't know if it was my junior or senior year of high school, and I took this honors physiology class, and I had to dissect a cat, a dead cat. Mm -hmm. And I could not even <laughs> get through You and me both. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was gagging. I was, uh, so I said, if I can't handle this, I'm never going to be able to handle med school yeah. with, with real... Uh, bodies and blood and this and that. So yeah. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to shift. I always had an interest in communications. I love to write, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I, my generation, I, you know, TV was always a big part of my, my childhood growing up. So mm -hmm. I kind of, I knew I wanted to do something in communications, but I didn't know what. So I ended up going to Emerson College. A couple of my friends from high school um, were going there as well. So I applied and I got in and, uh, the first couple of semesters, I was just doing general mass communication classes, and one of my friends, they had auditions, I guess you call them, for the local TV news team, and uh, it was just something that was on campus, like it didn't go out anywhere. Right, like the Emerson yeah, News Network. Exactly. Place, right. So I walked in, and you had to. they had the, the tryouts, and they handed you these newspaper articles, and they said, all right, turn this article into a 20-second you know, news story. And I'm like, oh, God. So I'm, I almost got up and walked out and said, eh, I don't yeah. know if I can do this. But something said, no, just stay. So I stayed. I did whatever. I read the things on, on camera. And then, lo and behold, I look and I see that I got picked for the news team as, believe it or not, a weather person, a meteorologist. <laughs> so my first ever, which is in college, uh, TV gig was doing weather. So what they would do back then is they would record off the one of the Boston stations like the uh their weather forecast and then use that the map, the weather maps and we had our own green screen um and they would just put that behind you and you would have to kind of just like do your own thing and blah blah. And I had no idea what yeah. I was doing, but I ended it up, worked. It worked. I ended up really enjoying it. And then the next semester, I ended up uh, getting a reporter position where I actually was going out and doing more writing and things. And then an anchor position. I just, I fell in love with it. And I re what I really liked about it, I remember initially, and I still love about it, is telling writing stories and telling stories matching your words to the video because it's just so powerful, as you know, you know. Um, writing something is great, but having the, the visual aspect of it too and marrying them together and... Yeah, so then it was, as they say, history from there. But yeah, yeah. What was it? What was your first job at? In, in so was my ten. My first job, no. My yeah. first job was I actually before I even graduated. So when I was at Emerson, I actually I did uh, reporting, anchoring, writing. I also did some directing, mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of a separate side of the business. You're the tech. That's the technical aspect of it, where you're directing newscasts and doing things. So. My uh, one of my professors, she had uh, a connection with what was Channel Fifty Six in Boston, which they've oh, yeah. since gone WB on. at the time, or yes. something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. WB Fifty Six. Yeah. Yep. 
um, and they needed a part-time director. Hmm. And uh, I had experience doing it. So even before I graduated, I was they came in, I did some training and stuff, and I started directing a weekend sports program. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and I learned how to create uh, graphics on their computer system. And it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but my passion was to be you know, on air and doing reporting and anchoring and all that. So from there, my first job was actually a cable station in Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, it was a daily live newscast, and it went out to Brockton and then like nine or ten surrounding communities. Wow, hyper-local. Yeah, very yeah. local, very local, which was good, though, because you get to know people in the community, yeah. and you really get to make connections. And it was a good experience, too. Like, I didn't have to move. A lot, a lot of times in this business, people have to go out far away from where they grew up or where they want to be because you have to go to a smaller market to get your experience. Well, this was getting that small market experience, but here in New England and close to home and with good news stories. I mean, Brockton's right in between, you know, Boston, Providence. So we had a lot of good, and there was good yeah. po local politics. Sure. There, was a, there was a lot of good stuff going on, you know. So I was able to get a, a tape together. Back then we actually used videotape. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my, I was at a, I was actually at a conference in Boston um, it was the R regional RTNDA. But anyway, the news director from Channel 6, ABC6, mm -hmm. which at the time was probably CBS, so I'm dating myself. But anyway. Yeah, no, they did the big switch yeah, over there. That was, Price is right, new home. Yeah, exactly. That was a big <laughs> deal to try to follow that, right? But um, the news director saw, I, he, I was in a tape critique session, and he was one of the, the people. And uh, he gave me his card. He said, oh, I like, you know, I like the way you wrote that. And he liked the edit. I remember specifically he said, I liked your use of the natural sound. Of putting, I forget what the P, it was something about, I think ironically it was a weather story, mm -hmm. um, but using like the sound of the rain, you know, in the piece and, and weaving it in and out and. Um, the audio, creating the audio, audio yes, that, that exactly. planet audio, video, and narrative. Yep, yeah. exactly. So he liked it. So I started freelancing at ABC6 mm -hmm. and it was, it was kind of sporadic. It was, they'd call me when they needed me and it was, it was pretty much only on the weekends. Yeah. And then an opening came up at Channel 10. Uh, so I jumped at it. Yeah. And, and that was that the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. Within, yeah. Within a year I was, I was a, a freelancer for a while, but pretty much working almost full time. And then within like a year plus, uh, I signed a contract and then the weekend morning news opened up and yep. they put me in there and yes. The rest is definitely still playing itself out. It's now still playing itself uh... out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, I think it's it's interesting because you talk if you talk to anyone in this business um, to stay on a weekend morning shift for even a few you know five years is probably a lot for yeah. for most people because yeah. they just want they want to get off weekends they want to move on but I don't know I enjoyed the, the newscast I well I loved working at Channel Ten I enjoyed the newscast kind of was able to make it my own mm -hmm. uh, you know started getting a following and people. Started saying, "Oh, we love watching you on the weekends," because we were doing some, you know, fun different things. Yeah, we have a, the, you know, the adopt a pet segment, then we get the chef segment going. So it was just, it was fun. So I enjoyed it, and I stuck around. Uh, you know, didn't want to leave the area, and uh, finally, after twenty two years, <laughs> the next opening, Coletta departs, and yeah. you're in. Yeah, yeah, 
It was, it, yeah, <laughs> it was like the parting of the the Red Sea. I yeah, think. It, was, it was that dramatic. I think it really was. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, talk about a, a seismic shift in the. I mean, he was such a he is. He's an icon, definitely uh, yeah. at the station in this market. So uh, when he, it was a little daunting. Yeah, yeah, I thought about it, and I always thought, oh, you know, first of all, I, I never assumed that they would ask me to do it. Really? If, he, if he stepped aside, I mean, I thought, I hoped yeah, that they I, would. I figured you, if there was like a power ranking type thing, you know, someone was <laughs> that obsessed with keeping track of the media, you'd think you'd be number one. Yeah, I, I, well, it was nice that, that, that they did, but I always uh, just said, you know what, I'm not going to think about it. If and when he decides he wants to step aside, uh, if the decision's made for me, then that'll yeah. be it. So, Yeah, definitely. And I remember that um, when they retired the, the old set, you know, the Coletta mm-hmm. walking off onto the new yes, set. Yes, onto the new That's set. That's a great piece of video there. And you, you go, okay, yeah, there's there's things, you know, the, the lightnings, you know, the, the ether is is at play there exactly. in the way that some of the great theaters or any other spot is, no question. Yeah. Let's talk about the chef, Terranova. What a <laughs> duo. That's an, what a lasting thing. And that's given you such a specific, oh my obviously the mmm mm. element and now parched Robin's making t-shirts. And that blew my mind away. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I never really, I mean, so this is how, well, he was doing the, um, the Johnson and Wales segments during yeah. the week and how it came about was his daughter, uh, Jennifer, she ended up, uh, interning with us and then she got a job as a producer. So she was producing, the weekend morning news uh, for a good stretch while I was doing it. And she said, hey, you know, do you want my dad to come in? He can do segments on the weekends like he does, you know, at Johnson Wales. We'll do them in the studio. And I was like, oh, okay. So we started coming in. Actually, we started doing it just, it was just once a month. We do like the first Sunday of the month and we called it Sunday brunch. And then over time, it was actually one of our directors uh, who had just started at the time, Jay. And he started when I would go to take the taste of the food, he zoomed, would get a close-up of my face. Yeah. And then, and I didn't realize it was doing, he, he was doing it because I was not really paying attention. I'm just doing the segment. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the mmm and the eye yep. rolls and the expressions. And then people started noticing, I think because of that, yeah. and I started getting people coming up to me and saying, oh, do you really eat all that food? Oh, you like that food? Oh, <laughs> mm, mm, oh, do the face, do the... <laughs> And so it already had kind of taken on a life of its own. And then when the T-shirts came out, I was... Oh, long gone, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. But the, the point is that Frank and I have... So we've known each other for close to 20 years now. And we've just, um, you know, I was good friends with his daughter. I still am. Uh, with his family, I'd go there. So we're, we're, we're good friends and we just have this great rapport and, and relationship then I think it comes I think people get a kick out of it, it comes across on the air and yeah I think so. there's going to be you know action figures of the two of you or something <laughs> I'll be the next step you know but um, it's a great segment it really is and that's interesting you note the uh, directorial creativity and you know just the instinct to to, to blend that hilarity with like kind of heartwarming slash confusing mm-hmm. if you're turning in for like if you're from illinois and you know you turn it on you're like wow this is the morning news it's it but it's i feel like 10 pushed creativity in that period you know and that was something that was reflected in you know obviously rj heim with his alien stories or whatever oh, it was yes. things like that but val Stanti out there in the trench coat terracani in the helicopter Things yeah. like that, and then you doing what you were doing. It, it it was a really specific time in television news, at least for me. I mean, obviously, I didn't watch 
any other markets at that time besides Boston. But it seemed like a magical thing was happening there, and it kind of gave you all a chance to build your creativity from the ground up. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate the fact that I think the station trusted us and and knew our strengths, knows our strengths, and and lets us play to those yeah. and and really be creative with that. So yeah, and I'm glad now because now um, that I've come to the weekday show. Uh, We've been able to throw in some. We did a, a great uh, Thanksgiving segment where we all made a our favorite holiday Thanksgiving dish, and we all tasted each other's dishes on the air. and And then we did a uh, uh, the week before Christmas a cookie swap uh, where we all made a cookie recipe and tried them each other's cookies on the air. So we're we're trying to have some fun with that too. Uh, yeah, during the week, bar from the successes of the I guess the national morning shows like those inviting people into your kitchen, so to speak, mentality, but hyper-localizing it. The yeah. characters on Sunrise now, that's fun too. It's like, it's a new thing. It, it, it feels really fresh. It's definitely different. It's got a different feel, uh, even from when, because I filled in for Frank when he would be off for years. Um, yeah, I feel like this was an opportunity just to really uh, have a different take on the newscast. You know, obviously keep the, at the core of it is, getting people ready for their day, you know, yes. news, weather, traffic, uh, what they need. But yeah, we've got this new team in place. So we thought let's play to each other's strengths. Allison Bologna and I have been uh, great friends for uh, so long now. So I think that comes across. I hope it does. Um, we've got Lindsay Idaluca, Christina Ernie, uh, Megan Mooney. So I think we do have a great team. We all get along really well and uh, we're trying to have some fun with it while doing our jobs. Yeah. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hey, B-Town listeners, keep an ear out, or I guess an eye out, two eyes out, as you're looking at your phone for my recurring series on the 2020 presidential election with Brown University political science chair, Dr. Wendy Schiller. 2020 pod will be right here on your feed on the Bartholomew Town Podcast, or you can head over to 2020pod.net where I'll post each of those episodes. Our next episode will occur right after the Iowa caucus. Stand by 2020 pod right here on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Now back to my conversation with Mario Hilario. Let's talk about some of the work you do off camera, some of the, you know, that's a longstanding element. I know we touched on it at the front of the episode, but some of the stuff you work on that doesn't necessarily get shouted out, you know, to the masses. Yeah, well, I try to do, I mean, I try to help out as many organizations as I can. Um, over the years, I've definitely... Um, come back and keep doing the same um, events over and over again. Uh, I've been a, I was a 2005 graduate of Leadership Rhode Island, mm -hmm. uh, the Alpha Twos, the best class ever. Um, and I've been on the board for the last six years. So uh, that's been a great experience. Um, they're doing wonderful things in the state, uh, trying to make Rhode Island stronger and better. Uh, so I've devoted a lot of time uh, to that organization as well. Um, somehow, I don't know how, but I got involved with, uh, Rhode Island Mentoring Partnership, which is now Mentor Rhode Island, um, with their Dancing with the Stars event. <laughs> that was, uh, uh, 2008 was, uh, the year we were at a breakfast at the station at Channel 10 and the executive director of the organization at the time said, oh, in front of everyone, so Mario is going to compete in our next Dancing with the Stars of Mentoring event. And I looked at her and I said, I am? And I said, okay, yes, yes, yes. So I did that. And uh, 
I really, I fell in love with the whole experience. Well, mm-hmm. they're a great organization, first of all. I mean, they're they're there to help the students across the state. Um, you know, mentoring is such an important uh, thing for kids these days in school. So, uh, you know, the heart of what they do is great, but the event is so much fun. And I, I actually f- kind of fell in love with the whole dancing aspect of it. So I've been, right? yeah. yeah. So a few years after I competed, um, they asked me to come back and said, maybe you can do like a little showcase opening number type thing. And uh, for the last uh, seven or eight years, I've been getting together with the, uh, the choreographer and this group of like 20 plus people. And we do this big grand opening number. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really, yeah, if you, if you, awesome. if you uh, <laughs> Google my name or YouTube and dancing, you'll see a bunch of the different things. So, you know, that's been a lot of fun too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what I think. I think I'm a dancer, but I'm not. I think <laughs> I think I'm this, but I'm not. But you know what? I'm just trying to get out there, have fun, and try to get involved with the community and try to help out as much as I can. Right. Providence right now, um, Rhode Island right now, big challenges, obviously. You know, no question about it. They're not new. They're things yeah. that have always been here, especially if you're, you know, not isolated in one part of the state or the other. You can sort of feel the statewide regional challenges and how specific they are do you just as a member of the rhode island community so to speak you know or obviously a member but a a a a face of in many ways the rhode island community what's your gut instinct on where we're heading right now overall i always try to be positive yep it's not always easy um i think i mean there are a lot of issues that we've kind of had for a long time and if, and we've been stuck in certain mentalities of, of ways of doing things. And I think if we can get the political will and the community-wide will, statewide will of trying to change, uh, you know, in, instead of, well, that's always the way we've done things and really try to embrace new, uh, fresh, um, innovative ideas I think we can do it. We're small enough. We should be able to. Right. Um, but it's tough. It's it's very territorial. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everyone's got the, uh, you know, they want to they wanna look out for for what they feel is important or, or their, their, their issue or their, the aspect of what they're doing. So I think, you know, we've, we've got to work together. I think we've got to try to change a lot of the mentality of, of what's been going on in the state. And hopefully, I am optimistic. I always try to be optimistic that we can move forward and, and solve a lot of these problems. Yeah, no question. Um, so last question, or, you know, I guess just like, even just coming from me, you know, personally, you know, you're a beloved broadcaster, you know, that, and that's... I'm rolling know. my eyes right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it's one of those situations where I guess, you know, in broadcasting... I think ever more, more and more, it seems from my purview, the, and it's the same in music, truly, where the idea is to create an anonymous delivery system that can be easily replaced, not get out of line, not fall out of whatever sort of expectations there are. Um, It's more difficult than ever to be a unique figure, in my mind, in today's broad media, again, music, art, theater, whatever it may be, to really jump out. And then to reach an audience that, you know, is, um, you know, that you couldn't be replaced. There's no, it's not the show. It's you. How do you, 
how do you get there? And I'm not asking for specific steps, but how do you prepare yourself for that mentally to get into that kind of position? Yeah. It's a lot of expectations on your shoulders when you wake up. Yeah, it is. And and there was, you know, a lot of expectations, a lot of pressure. I mean, when, when they first asked me to take over for, for Frank Coletta, I mean, I, I had no, uh, uh, doubt that they, you know, they are big shoes to fill mm-hmm. and it was a little daunting. It was daunting. Um, and I think it's just like you said, there's so much out there between media, social media, this, that, that everything can just get, can be a big blur and you just blend in. And, and I think what I try to do is just be myself, be genuine, be authentic. Um, I hope that comes across to people. I think it does. Um, and then that's all I can do and hope that the, the audience that is out there will continue to tune in, embrace what I'm doing. And uh, and just ride this journey with me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> the great Mario Hilario, ladies oh. and gentlemen. Turn Bill, to 10. Bill, thank you so much. Real pleasure. And thank you for listening. Remember, a great way that you can support the Bartholomew Town Podcast is to subscribe and give a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Until next time, I'm Bill Bartholomew. We'll talk soon. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.